0: Our scripture reading today is from John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. This is found on page 893 in your pew Bible. If you do not own a Bible, we would love for you to take one home as a gift from us. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow the rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, Whom those who believe in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit has not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, kids, as you came in this morning, hopefully you, if you wanted, you got a water bottle and some other things. And uh, on this Sunday, we're talking about um, living water a water that Jesus offers. So if you have a water bottle, can you hold it up? Can you show me your, your water bottle this morning? Can you show me that water bottle if you have it? Got it? Okay. Uh, and I wonder, this, you know, this summer is a time when we get thirsty, right? So I wonder what kind of things make you thirsty. Maybe you eat some salty snacks, some popcorn, some chips or something, you get thirsty. Pizza always makes me thirsty. Uh, or maybe it's after a sort of a long day of playing outside in the yard, or maybe next week when it's like 100 degrees after 10 minutes of playing in the backyard, you come in, you're super thirsty. I remember a few years ago, we were on a hike as a family in Sedona, which is in Arizona. It's in the middle of the desert. And, uh, and our kids were really thirsty on that hike. In fact, we had been we started around 9 a.m. that morning. But by 11.30, when we finished the hike, it was already blazing in the Arizona desert. And our kids, they were, Graham, our youngest, he was just a baby. And Isla, our middle girl, she was kind of struggling to finish the end. And so I've got a picture. Lucy helped carry her like the last few hundred yards. So she was being a big, big sister. Helped her, helped her finish. And then when we got back to the van, there was sparkling water and juice boxes all around for everybody. They were really excited to get their thirst quenched at the end of that hike. But you know, kids, I I wonder if you ever thought about this. Do you know that Jesus also got thirsty. And this is one of the incredible things about the Savior that we have is that not only is he fully and truly God, but he's fully and truly human. So he got thirsty just like you and I did. In fact, earlier in the Gospel of John, we even read a story about how Jesus comes to a well And he tells us that he's thirsty, but he doesn't have anything to draw out the water with. And can you imagine that moment? So Jesus is the one who created all the water in all the oceans and rivers and lakes and streams. The one who created the water in the well, in the aquifers, in the snow, on top of the mountains. And here he is, he's thirsty, and he doesn't have a bucket or anything to draw the water with. But a woman comes and to draw water for herself, and Jesus asked her for a drink. And in the course of their conversation, Jesus says, actually, there's a type of water that you can't get from this well, but it's the kind of water that will lead you to life. And here in this passage this morning, we get another place where Jesus talks about him being the source of this water that can quench our thirst. That there's this kind of life that we don't have, and, and that our physical thirst is a sign pointing us to a deeper spiritual thirst that we need quenched. And so today, as we look at this passage in John chapter 7, we want to ask the question do you want to be a desert or a river? Do you want to be a desert or a river? And Jesus has promised to you today, whether you are a kid, uh, whether you are an adult, whether you've been at Christ's community for 10 minutes or for 10 years, the promise that Jesus offers you today is that you, if you are thirsty, you can come to him and drink a new kind of water, to begin to experience a new kind of life that begins now and goes on forever. So I invite you, if you haven't already, to turn your Bible to John chapter 7. There's Bibles in front of you in the pews. Or if you have your, your phone with you, um, you, if you'd rather, you can just type in John and the number 7. That will be, find that in Google and you know, a bunch of websites out there you can follow along in the text. We're going to be looking at verses 37 through 39 this morning. So just a a shorter piece of text today. And as we look at that, we're going to look at this image, this metaphor that Jesus uses. He offers us, gives us an invitation to come and drink from him, this water, this living water, and actually that it it will even flow out of us when we come to trust in him. So we want to ask three questions about this water. One, what is it? Two, where does it come from? And three, how do we get it? So Jesus talks about these rivers of living water So what are they? What what is this water? Where do they come from? How do we get it? First question here, what is it? And the answer that we see in the text is that it is a new kind of life. This water that Jesus offers is a new kind of life. You see this in, in verse 37. Jesus says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, to and to me and to drink, whoever believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of this heart, his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit. So Jesus in John's comment on what Jesus has said there, so there's this, this new kind of life that comes from the Spirit. And Jesus, again, is saying that our physical thirst points us to a deeper sort of thirst, a thirst that tells us that even though we have physical life, we lack sort of a deeper or higher kind of life that we need to live. And C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia stories, if you've ever read those stories, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or The Horse and His Boy, or Prince Caspian, those stories, he also wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And in that book, he talks about these two kinds of life, and he calls them natural life and spiritual life. And, and the natural life that we have is the kind of life that we get from our parents. It's the same kind of life that animals and plants have, this thing that causes them to grow. But we also know, right, that animals and plants and flowers, they don't live forever. Flowers grow and then they die. Animals live for a time and they die. And even as humans, with just that kind of natural life, it runs out. It doesn't go on forever. Lewis points out that there's a kind of what he calls a spiritual life that we get from God. But as humans, we have cut ourselves off from that life. Now, Lewis in this chapter points out that this natural life that we have resembles the spiritual life. There's a resemblance between the two. There's a similarity in the way that a photo resembles the place, but they're not the same thing, in the same way that a statue resembles an actual human, but they're different, right? So here's a statue of two people, but they're, they're not real. And then Lewis writes this. He says, A person who changed from having natural to spiritual life would have gone through as big a change as a statue which has been changed from carved stone to being a real man. And that is precisely what Christianity is about. The world is a great sculptor's shop. We are the statues, and there is a rumor going around the shop that someday some of us are going to come to life. Now, Jesus uses the image here of of water and drinking to talk about spiritual life. And when he does that, he's actually drawing on a theme that starts in the Bible all the way back in Genesis on the first two pages of the Bible. And it flows all the way through the story of the Bible. And so kids, especially I want to show you a video this morning from the Bible Project about living water. It's about five minutes. Take a look. So it's a great picture of what this living water that Jesus offers us is. It also hints at the answer to our second question, which is, where does it come from? Where do we get this life? And again, we see in this text that it comes from Jesus and then spills over into others. And again, the video gives a great kind of picture visually of what that's like. And you see this in verses 38 through 39, where it says, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Then John adds, Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is the source of this life, and then as it comes into us, this spiritual life, this life that is given to us by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, overflows into the world, into others. So think about it like this, especially kids, you know, you love going out in the summer, I know my kids do, and playing in the sprinkler in the front yard. And that's such a fun thing to do, right? Get, get wet, get cooled off on a hot day to play in the sprinkler. But a sprinkler is useless unless it is connected to the faucet, to the source of that water. So if you just have a, a sprinkler, no matter how wonderful of a sprinkler it is, if it is not connected to that source of life, it is utterly useless, and it can't do what it was designed and created to do. And it's the same thing with us as humans made in God's image, that we can have a certain beauty, but unless we are connected to the source of life by the Spirit through faith in Jesus, then we can't be who we are created to be in the world. We can't have the kind of life that we were made for, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us and makes us new. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul actually uses language of new creation to talk about who we are as humans who have received this new life in the Spirit. That that new creation that we're longing for in the future, it's actually like little bits of that come forward into the present in the lives of those who have been made new by the Spirit. When we do that, we actually become sort of an oasis in the desert pointing to the source of all life. And in Jesus, we get an identity that is received instead of achieved. And Tim Keller, who's a really thoughtful pastor and talking about culture, he's, he's pointed out a thing that I think is really interesting here. As we walk through culture, that 70 years ago, if you were born in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, especially in that time frame, that the goal of life in that time was to be a good person. Like culturally, that was sort of understood. I want to be a good person. I want to be a moral person. And the gospel of Jesus came in and said, "You know even though you aren't able to live that up, Jesus has forgiven your sin, then He's made you whole, He's made you new. And then that message really resonated with a culture where being a good person was the highest cultural ideal. But then by the time you get to the late 1970s, 80s, kind of really entrenched in the 90s, the, culturally the goal of life had become, I look, is not to be a good person, a moral person necessarily, but to look inside, discover who I am, and have the freedom to live out who I discover inside that I am. But even today now in sort of 2020s, This has shifted again to where it's not even the goal of life is to understand, look inside, and discover who I am. It's not about even discovery, but it's about construction. That I, as a human, have to construct my identity. That I don't even necessarily discover it, but I define it, I build it out on my own. And here's the thing that's an exhausting task to have to do that on our own, to achieve this identity. When we do that, it also means we have to constantly distinguish ourselves from others, show how special or unique we are, how different we are, how much deserving of attention or protection or whatever it might be that we are from from others. But in Jesus, we actually get an identity that that isn't one that we have to construct on our own, that we just receive from him. One that's rooted in love, that means that what is most true about you is that you were formed in love out of a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this community of love overflowed that you, the most true thing about you is that you were, your origin began in love and that you will always be loved. When you have that kind of identity in Jesus, you, you don't have to put others down. Uh, you don't have to constantly virtue signal or, or show that you're better than others in order to feel good about yourself. And those kinds of impulses lead to so much toxicity and division. This is especially true when, when a part of our constructed ideology or our constructed identity is connected to political ideology. It just leads to a desert life. But when you have a received identity, again, that is rooted in this unshakable love, a love that knows you fully, And this is what we long for in life, someone who can fully know us and still fully love us. And so often in life, we feel like we have to compromise on one of those. If someone can fully know us, but then, of course, they wouldn't truly love us. Or someone can love us, but we can't possibly show them who we truly are. In Jesus, you can be fully known and fully loved, fully forgiven, fully healed. And when you have that kind of identity that's received, not achieved, we become a source of life and rest and peace for others. We become rivers rather than deserts. So Jesus offers us living water, which is a new kind of life. We receive it from him by the Spirit that spills over to others. And the question then is, how do we get this? How do we get this kind of life? Well, we get this, you see it in in two places here in this verse. Verse 38, where Jesus says it, and then John, down in 39, says, whoever believes in me, Jesus says, and then later on, John says, about those who will receive this kind of life. Now, he said this about those who received the Spirit, verse 39, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Belief in Jesus is the way to receive this life. Now, believing in Jesus doesn't simply mean believing that he existed. Like, I believe that Napoleon existed or any other historical figure. It's more than just an assent that Jesus is, had existed or even just sort of an assent that I believe that the idea is true that Jesus forgives sins. It's actually believe in Jesus as a matter of entrusting yourself to him of coming to the end of yourself, of saying my only hope in life and in death is that Jesus has died on the cross and been raised for me. It's entrusting your whole life to him. It's trusting his wisdom even when it doesn't make sense to you. It's saying, Jesus, I'm going to do what you say even when it's confusing, even when it hurts. It's giving your whole self over to him. And it's not either just sort of this one-time thing that you check off. It's a whole different way of knowing and living in the world, of receiving this life. So trust Jesus today and trust yourself to him. Stop striving and start resting in the identity, the gift, the life that he's given to you. And when you do that, you go from this, from this desert place, to this we actually become a stream. Those pictures are from Sedona, where we were. We become this river of life in the midst of the desert. And maybe at the beginning of that, and especially if you're younger and you're just starting to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, maybe you're older and you're just beginning this journey with Jesus. You may at first just feel like a tiny little spring bubbling up. Maybe you didn't feel like you're, you're still kind of muddy and it's not clear. But over time, the longer you walk with Jesus and his people the more you get to know them, the more you spend time with them, you become this. You become this, this waterfall in the desert. And here's the thing: we weren't created, we were never designed to do this life on our home on our own, but to be a part of a family of people who have all experienced this new life. And so together, we become this, this huge waterfall of life in our city and in our neighborhoods, of, of places of peace and rest and welcome where the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in our lives of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. I mean, isn't that a description of what every employer wants, what every next-door neighbor you want, what you want in any leader or boss or employee, kinds of people who can be life, rivers of life in the desert. And this new life is only possible because Jesus died. Again, the end of verse 39 says that the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And in the God, John's gospel, the idea of Jesus being glorified is his death on the cross. It's where his glory is displayed. And so in Jesus, this true and better rock in the wilderness, who when he is struck brought life, not judgment, His death becomes a fountain of life. He took the life that we deserved, or the death that we deserved, and transformed it into the very way that we receive life. And and if you've never received this life, I'm just going to tell you, this moment of turning to Jesus, of really coming to trust in him, it will feel like a sort of death, because it is. But it is the only way. It's the only way to come to him, to drink, to drink, Remember Lewis earlier, he talked about those different kinds of life, this natural life and the spiritual life. And Lewis says that even if humanity had never fallen into sin, that those two kinds of life would always have been different sorts of life. But in our present state, not only are they different, but they are opposed. And he says this, the natural life in each of us is something self-centered, something that wants to be petted and admired to take advantage of other lives, to exploit the whole universe, and it especially wants to be left to itself. It is afraid of the light and air of the spiritual world. It knows that if the spiritual life get a hold of it, all its self-centeredness and self-will are going to be killed and it is ready to fight tooth and nail to avoid that. And maybe you feel that this morning, that self-will is just fighting tooth and a nail to avoid being killed. But when you let it die, you will receive a joy. And a freedom and a goodness that you can only barely imagine on the other side so come to him and drink drink to him afresh even if you've been following jesus for years drink of him afresh by faith this morning it's the only way the only way to be transformed from a desert to a river and so this morning if you haven't yet received that goodness and trusted in the good news, I encourage you to do that today. That as we sing, as we take communion, maybe just to quietly to yourself say, Jesus, I am in desperate need of you. You are my only hope in life and in death. And ask him to change you, to make you new.